and welcome to the Hoop Collection podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday night this week. Joining me from Dallas, Texas, is Band McMahon. Howdy, partners. Who wasn't banned from his daughter's volleyball game tonight where she had the winning point. Yeah, big, big time. And I met the boyfriend afterwards. It was a successful evening. Yes, we're not going to go into details there, but let's just say that uh, we heard about it from McMahon and He's all very, smiles, all smiles, no snarls. Okay, he's a very he can be a very intimidating man. He, hence, the, you know the fact that he was banned from multiple NBA arenas. <laughs> Only from one, <laughs> multiple times. Go on. <laughs> okay, sorry that sorry for that that correction. Joining us from Boston, Massachusetts, where I don't think we've talked to you from Boston in a while, Tim Bontemps. I've been all over the place, but now I'm back. Well, on Monday you were in Philadelphia. And uh, we saved it um, uh, be, to talk about the Sixers. And, you know, now it's going to seem like it was, uh, you know, I really don't want to talk about Ben Simmons every uh, podcast. And I, I, I promise you that I really don't. I do. It's, 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 it's fun. Drama's fun. We're going to talk about it. I know, but I we're really going to talk about it when there's news. And right now there's news. So, all right. Well, I wish, I wish. I wish it was something else, but it's here. And um, Joel Embiid, who, how would you describe his demeanor Monday on Temps as he was calling for Ben to come home? Uh, I would was say. It, was it restrained, like with a forced smile? Or do you think, because I, I think his true colors came out today, but I'll wait for that. I would say the Sixers handled. Monday's media day, as you would expect a team in this situation to handle it in that they said all the right things. But if you read between the lines, you could sort of see where everybody was at. Right. Mm -hmm. For example, Doc Rivers was asked about uh, why did Ben say he wanted to be traded when he met with them? And he said, well, he didn't really say to the level that they uh, I'm paraphrasing here. He didn't really say to the level that we felt comfortable with in terms of knowing exactly why. And then Doc says, but it is hard to play here. He didn't say that, to be clear, yeah. but it is hard to play here. Uh, I can't say he said that, but it is hard to play here, which, again, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said, which is, I'd well, say, a rather veiled shot at Ben Simmons for his unwillingness to want to be in Philadelphia. Thinly veiled. And, well, he didn't really say, but uh, yes. the 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 vibe I got was just because he's soft. Because <laughs> he's soft. That's probably why. And then, you know, Joel Embiid talked for a very long time. Uh, including about five minute back and forth with me where I asked him, what would you say to Ben if you'd had the chance to actually talk to him? And he paused for about 15 seconds and then said, I'd say I'm disappointed. And then talked for about a minute and a half. And then I said, well, what do you mean by disappointed? And then he talked for another minute and a half and didn't say why he was disappointed. And then I said, just to be clear, so it's not taken out of context. Why did you say you'd be disappointed? Which he then finally said, well, I'm disappointed that it's gotten to this point And I think we can win with Ben and I want him to be here. But he also sprinkled throughout his time on his 20 minutes on Monday, things like, you know, we all just need to grow up and we all need to stop paying attention to the fans and all these lines mm -hmm. that while are true, I think you could say were like kind of coded shots at Ben Simmons, if you wanted to look at it that way. Well, and, and if today, he was being if, if Embiid was being brutally honest, he'd say, well, I'm disappointed because his value has gone through the crapper 
And, <laughs> you know, we all want to trade him, but we can't because we can't get anything good in return. Well, and then we come to today, to Brian's point, when in the middle of a very, very, very long answer about, uh, you know, the comments. Yeah, I, I kind of don't want to. I kind of don't want to well, read it all because. Well, but all, all I want, all that matters, all that matters is in a very long answer to a question about there's a report out that you uh, that you know, Ben Simmons slash his people have decided that playing with you isn't going to work. What do you say to that is to sum it up. Joe, I'll give a very long answer. And in the middle of it, he said, we've always tried to build the team around him. We even got rid of, you know, again, I'm paraphrasing. Mm. We even got rid of Jimmy Butler, which by the way, I still think is a mistake. <laughs> and then went yes. on from there. And that was very clearly choosing Ben over Jimmy. So again, like th- this whole situation is, going to be well, yeah, fraught. he basically yeah he said we had to sign al horford instead of jimmy yes. butler because i mean he we said many people he said he said many things but the jimmy butler point in particular mm. was it, yeah. that said everything about the situation and look and, and do you think they trade simmons for butler right now <laughs> right well and look today is a win for ben simmons because look daryl Morey, as we have talked about many times on this podcast is not going to make a move to make the Sixers worse. And that means he's not going to trade Ben Simmons for a deal that makes the Sixers worse than if they had Ben Simmons, unless he absolutely has to. And he is one of the few few general managers in the league who is secure enough in his position and is secure enough in his ability to navigate this that he's going to wait until he gets a deal that he wants, no matter how complicated it gets, until that position changes. And while I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon for a variety of reasons, Days like today are going to make that harder because right. if you so, have Joel right. Embiid talk for four minutes or several minutes about how disappointed he is in this comment being out there and all these things about Ben Simmons and saying all the stuff that he said today, that kicks up the oxygen in the room towards yes. getting a deal done, which is what Ben Simmons and his people want. T- today was a victory for Ben Simmons. I Even with Joel Embiid throwing him I don't know. I don't like the term throwing him under the bus. Whatever he did, dragging him through the mud. It was a win for Ben because it is it is drama that is exactly what the holdout is designed to do, which is to make yeah. you uncomfortable so that it gets resolved. And and whether the fit with Embiid is the real reason he wants out, because I mean I feel like you know we're gonna we've gone through several reasons he wants out, but whether that's the real reason or not. It's something that was going to get a reaction. It's something that was going to cause dramas, cause some right. chaos. You know, get Embiid's right. blood boiling, and Embiid, yeah. Embiid. It's not quite as it's not quite he, as bad as a your mom joke, but it had it's the same provocative. Uh, yeah, and concept. And, and Embiid's response was honest and truthful, and you know, like the idea of uh, Ben Simmons as the go-to guy who you're building everything around offensively has a ton of flaws and the Simmons Greek freak uh, comp is extremely flawed. I mean, they are not the well, same Well, it's like Doc had to like go through machinations for speaking the truth. That was yeah. another thing that happened, you know, leading up to this. Doc had to, you know, basically pull out fake news tropes about his Yeah, misconstrued. Like, yeah, I mean, Doc, I, yeah, I mean, Doc, video, bro. Doc is, right, right. But Doc again, is the disingenuous at best on this point. That's the holdout. That's the holdout taking root. That's, you know, getting into their heads. And, and you know, in this answer, Joel very clearly had seen it, was yeah. aggravated by it. Who knows who they. And he called bull stuff. 
and but that's what I'm saying. Like it is distracting the team. So yeah, well, and I and I actually think to your I actually think this is an example of why overall I think the way that Simmons has handled this is not going to allow him to get traded sooner because this happened because of a story that came out about the situation, which was then asked to Joel. There's only so many ways that can happen. Whereas as we've seen in the past, if the guy is there every day and is having to, you know, it's like a visible person there. It's a lot harder for the team to be out of sight, out of mind. And, and so, the, only- and, and that's where doc and Embiid are, you know, I'm not even going to say passive aggressively because they've been pretty aggressive and, and, and at least implying that the reason Simmons is doing this is because he's soft and because he can't handle the heat, especially in a town like Philly. So they're kind of challenging him almost like, you know, you're not tough enough uh, to, 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 to come here. Okay. And, I and agree deal that with all this. I agree. Well, first off, he doesn't have to give interviews every day. These guys do. So that's one thing. He is getting fined, but I'm going to speak to that in a minute. The He doesn't have to – you're right, Von Temps. He will eventually fade away a little bit because we're going to get into games and everything like that, but he will never be fully away because they yeah. are just one bad loss or one bad week away from it becoming a big issue, which, again, is the concept of why the holdout in theory will work. Now, let me just so – t- so tomorrow, this podcast is going to come out on Friday. I don't know if we will get this information on Friday or if we'll get it next week or we'll ever get it. But on Friday, we've talked about this before, Ben Simmons is owed $8.25 million as part of his contract getting advanced money. Now, the Sixers have fined him this week. Those fines are less than $200,000. So maybe if they take those fines out, he is only owed $8 million. But if they do not pay that amount, one, they're in breach of contract for which he can file arbitration. And yes, Simmons is in breach of contract too, but they are fining him according to the schedule of his contract. There's nothing in his contract that says if he doesn't report to training camp, they don't pay him this amount. As it a quick aside, him- as a quick aside, this is part of why this is such an unprecedented situation and why there are a lot of people around the league very curious to see how this goes because all okay. this stuff is is out in the open in a way it well, has not been in the past. There, there was an owner's meeting on Wednesday. And I don't know for a fact, but I was led to believe that discussing the Simmons situation was something that the owners intended to do. I have not heard. Maybe I will hear soon. But um, as you can imagine, this is something that they would want to uh, deal with and potentially uh, have, a, have a plan for. Because if this works, which maybe it will, maybe it won't, it only encourages other players to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, he's owed eight million bucks. If he doesn't get it, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be another distraction, whether it leaks out now or leaks out a little bit later. Um, and if I were Josh Harris, the owner, I wouldn't want to pay him the, the eight million bucks. I don't blame him that. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't pay him, it undercuts everything they were saying this week about wanting him to come back. If he they don't pay him, that means I mean I know they're already at war, but that like really means war. But let me tell you about something that I call the Termini Doctrine. Now, very few people will know what the hell I'm talking about, but that's why I'm going to tell you what it is. Mark Termini is an agent in the NBA. He has been an agent in the NBA since the 80s. Um, he has is, he is, uh, become more prominent in the recent years because he was Rich Paul's partner at Clutch for 
uh, the majority of their start. He is no longer with Clutch. Um, but anybody who knows Mark Termini, and I do, will tell you one of the things that he accomplished was in 1992, and I know many of our listeners were not born. In 1992, I was in eighth grade. But in 1992, Jim Jackson was a rookie with the Dallas Mavericks. McMahon, do you remember the Jim Jackson holdout? How old I were do. you? Were you uh, in the- I, was, I, was, I was in high school. I'd been shipped off, so I couldn't read the morning news every day. But, uh, you know, obviously you grew up here and, and familiar with this. This is before Tony Braxton even came into the picture. <laughs> okay, so. A tie into our is- later Dallas discussion, by the way. <laughs> Good. So this is before there was a rookie salary scale. And um, so rookies, there was a salary cap you had to follow, but rookies could negotiate their contracts with whatever they could get. And occasionally there were holdouts. And this one was the longest holdout of them all. He held out until March. Okay. He did not sign his contract until March. And granted, the media situation was different back then. But I, tr- but trust me when I tell you it was a topic of conversation throughout the entire season in Dallas because this guy, Jim Jackson, who I think was a top four pick. Yeah, I, th- I want to say he was like, fourth overall. Yep. Okay. Um, he was obviously expected to be a cornerstone player of their team going forward. And he signed his contract in March. I don't remember how much it was for, but when he signed his contract, he got all of his money. And trust me, throughout that time, there was, um, we're going to find them. He's not going to get this money. There was all kinds of posturing. And Mark Termini, who is, if you ever were to meet him, is one of the most stoic, and, and soft-spoken men, but he has got an iron will. And the point, reason that is important is because he was a guy who helped Rich Paul develop his negotiating technique. Mm-hmm. I promise you that Rich Paul is extraordinarily educated on the Termini Doctrine, that, that you're going to get all your money. And the Termini Doctrine went into effect with Tristan Thompson, who held out through training camp into the season, he signed his contract. Guess what? He got all of his money. J.R. Smith missed time. Uh, now, those guys were not in contracts. Those guys were uh, were free agents. But when they signed, they got all their money. Um, they have employed the Termini Doctrine before. So even though Mark Termini is no longer with Clutch Sports, I promise you that Rich Paul is a big, is a big understander of the Termini Doctrine. And so you can find Ben Simmons. I don't care if they come out and say, say, we're fining him $15 million. If Ben Simmons gets traded to the to Team X in January mm-hmm. and they and he gets and he arrives, um, do you think that team is gonna say, Hello, Ben Simmons, our new franchise player or one of our franchise cornerstones for which or we our, just made a or bunch our, of our number three option offensively? Whatever. Do you think that he's going to, they're going to say, Hey, actually we're going to keep those fines right. that the Sixers put in place for you. Well, there's, um, uh, there's, and, and go ahead. No, I was going to say you're right about that, but I think there's two significant things to discuss here. Hold on. I'm front. not done with the Termini doctrine. Yet. Okay. You got more to the, say. Got it. The other thing is the fines may make the Sixers and their fans feel good short term like they may be like hey, hey well he's missing their practice there's 100 g's big boy 
or, you know, everything like that. And, and, and granted, like it will add up and you can put a meter on your website or in your newspaper or whatever. Um, but they are not going to find their way out of this situation. It's not <laughs> no. like they're going to say, it's not like Ben Simmons is going to say, well, I was waiting for the fines to hit 3.653 million. And now that they have, I guess I have to report. Um, so I'm just telling you the Termini doctrine is no matter what mud gets slinged, slung, sling, slung, uh, no matter what anybody says, no Got matter me. what posturing there is, no matter what the paycheck may look like in November, or what it may look like on January 1st, the player can still get his money. And maybe Ben Simmons may not get every single dime, but if, if as, as we're sitting here in, I guess it's October now when this podcast comes out, they I don't think that, that the fines are going to be something that defines this. And so that's why when we get to Friday and they got to decide on the $8 million bucks. keep that in mind. And keep in mind that Ben Simmons and Rich Paul know the Termini Doctrine. Okay, Bontemps. Well, I, I all that is true. The only two things I was going to say about this was, unlike all these other situations, J.R. Smith, Jim Jackson, Tristan Thompson, etc., the Sixers are done with Ben Simmons, I think. So they're not worried about trying to placate him. Like in those situations, mm-hmm. ultimately, all those teams wanted those guys to be back. But the so team that will have him, but the team that will have uh, him will. Yes, be. you're right. The other thing is, what if we do get to a scenario where he isn't traded by mid-February? What happens then? I'll be curious to see what happens then. I don't know what well, will if happen. He's, if he sits out the entire season and plays for nobody, if that's your premise, then he probably will not get. Well, I, I'm just, right. I, I'm just, I'm not saying that will happen either. But like again, this is as we have are we've talked about before with this thing. This is a very weird situation in terms of trading this guy because a. He's got a four years on his contract and a ton of money owed to him. And B, as we've talked about ad nauseum, he's a very awkward fit to have on your team. And if you trade for him, you've got to commit to building around him. And therefore, you have to find someone who wants to trade for him and build around him in a way that they really value him. Or Not necessarily. you have to have, well, the other, the or is if a Damian Lillard or someone like that is available to be traded for. And he is the centerpiece of it with other stuff, which right now, that kind of player isn't available. So well, also I mean, would be a lot of other stuff. Well, that's what I mean. So it's it's just a this is such a weird situation on every front from the uniqueness of the contract situation, from the uniqueness of the fit situation, from the unprecedented nature of a holdout like this. I it's going to be fascinating to see where it goes, which is why we keep talking about it. And again, like I think you're right. I think he'll end up getting traded. I think we'll get his money, but I don't think it's quite as cut and dried as those other situations in the past. Well, you there's know, nothing I, cut and dried about it. It's going to be messy. I, I do wonder if the one downside to this new thing that uh, that the Simmons camp is putting out there, basically saying, I got to be the man. You know, you got to build around me. You know, I'm the, I'm the engine of this whole thing. Uh, that's why Philly's a bad fit. Like, who, who wants Ben Simmons in that role? And if he... But, if he but again, so, McMahon, they, they just want to make it uncomfortable. They I understand. just want to force him to get traded. The, the, the content, the actual words don't matter as much as the, the fact. That right. It, I, it, I, it I, I get them. that. I get yes. that. But I, I, I think is, there's also some truth to he sees himself as that guy. He ain't that guy like this. Let him be yes. the Greek freak. Embiid was right. Like, dude, they've they've gone to great lengths to try to tailor things around him. Now Embiid is, you know, going to cut some driving. Land. But look, 
Simmons, despite being a six foot 10 chiseled freak athlete, explosive as hell, he's a league average finisher. And when you look at his field goal percentage at the, you know, at the rim, he's a league average finisher. In part, I would argue because he's afraid to get fouled and a hundred percent. And you compare him to Giannis. Giannis is elite. Giannis finishes at 73% at the rim. That's like 14 and a half points better than league average. Giannis is not afraid to look bad. Well, and listen, that's the thing. He, when Giannis yes. struggles with free throws in the playoffs, he is attacking his ass off. And you know what? If he goes 8 of 18 from the line, so be it. He's still oh, going he, to be attacking. When Simmons struggles with free throws, he hides. He hides from the ball. Giannis he, is a treasure. Tra- Trey Young. Yeah, Trey Young comes and help coverage. Uh-oh, he might foul me. Uh, let me dump the ball off instead yes. of dunking. Giannis went, Giannis went, Giannis had all these foul shot troubles in the playoffs, right? And then went 17 for 19 from the foul line in game six, had 50 points at one of well, the greatest games of all time. He had the Matrix matrix moment. And Ben yeah. and Ben Simmons passed out of a dunk that could have tied a game except I, I know. three minutes ago. Yeah, but, this but is, listen, this is, not, a, this is not Ben but, Simmons saying, no, I'm going to take my ball and go home. The He's more, saying, here. Take the ball away from me. I'm that, scared. I'm going home. <laughs> that's right. The more interesting All thing, right. though, is what you said but, earlier, McMahon, which is that this is the latest in a series of things that have been put out yes. by the Simmons camp to explain what's going on. And I think that is more proof of the fact that there isn't a the, like it's I think you could maybe you could draw some conclusions as to why they've had so many different things they've had to put out. But the bottom line is you're going to run out of different things you can say at some point. And that's why I think if the Sixers are patient, they're going to get into the season and games are going to be played. And I do think this story is going to fade into the background a bit because they still until they lose good... three out of four. I, I, I think, or, or until a... some wing score lights them up for 40. I, mean, I think if they're a, right. I think if they're a decent team or better, I don't think there's going to be a drum beat in Philadelphia for them know, to man. trade him for I'm, maybe. Well, I will just say having been there and having talked to people there, they're, the, the fans there are ready for them to move on from him. And the, I don't think there's going to be this drumbeat of you have to get Ben Simmons back or you have to train him for something that's just, just to get it over with unless they're five and 15 or something like that. And, and I, they and, were the number one, they were the number one seed in these last Yes, I understand well, that. I would but say I think, this. I think people he, are looking at it as a situation where this is their one chip to trade. And if they trade him for 25 cents on the dollar and it prevents them from going to get a star player later, that's not what they want to do. I'm just going to say this. This is the great thing. The Sixers are betting that they will not have to trade him for 25 cents on the dollar. That as the season goes along, their strong play will give them leverage. Hmm. Simmons is betting and trying to bring home the point that every day that passes, Another few cents come off what you can trade me. Well, for. And, I, and I still, so me now. and I think, I think ultimately what this comes down to is will Daryl Morey hold his nerve? And if you ask me whether Daryl Morey is going to hold his nerve and wait for a good trade to come along, or he's going to make the best deal he can make and trade him for 40 or 50 cents on the dollar or less, I'm going to bet on him holding his nerve. Well, I'm going to say this. I was talking to a league executive today and you know what he was doing about Ben Simmons? He was raving about him. He was like, this guy can do so much. There's almost nobody out there who can defend like him. You go look at his numbers. He averaged like triple doubles in the playoffs. Um, you know, he's like, yeah, he's, yeah, if you want to pull up that series against the Hawks, it's going to look bad. But when you work in this league, you don't just look at that series. You look at other things yeah. like that. 
And there right. are teams out there that really value him. And that's there's no question. Really there's no question. He's a good player. But again, and, it's like McMahon said before, is someone going to trade a package commensurate with a guy they see as a franchise guy. They're going to build their team around. If that trade was on the table, Ben Simmons would be traded. He would be traded today. If that trade, I don't was on think the you're going to, I don't think not. you're going to, I don't think you're going to build your team around. And remember he's on the fun max. You don't have to build your team around. Him. I mean, Let me okay, ask you this. executive, executive point. X, and obviously you're not going to tell us or, or hint who the team is. Would, would executive X trade his best player for Simmons? For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. Warm up with the hottest games live with Vivid Seats. No matter the sport, Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, an annual birthday discount, and more. They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. That, uh, they, would he trade his second yeah, best player for Simmons? He would, but that's a bad example because you don't know the team and their best. He, they don't have anybody as good as him. Um, but, uh, but that's this, a short, short list. Again, we go back to Minnesota, and obviously, <laughs> like I said, I heard, I heard three, I heard of three teams today that have, that have well, recently. But again, there's no question. Ben Simmons is a very good player. Teams are going to be interested in trading for Ben Simmons. That's not the question here. Is not can the Sixers trade Ben Simmons? The answer to that is yes. It's not that there's can they get interested. the superstar package that, that Moore is asking for? Can they get a trade that will make the Sixers either be as good as they are today with Ben Simmons or better? That is, to me, the threshold that Daryl Morey is going to make a trade on. So until that, if that trade was sitting there today on September 30th, I think the Sixers would make that trade today. The fact that they have not made a trade, to me, is a clear sign that that trade is not available. And I think the question yeah, really the question, becomes... No, the question is, is that, are those offers going to get better or worse? That's the question. Uh, and, and it's hard to see him getting better. It, it, it really is. Because if he's not playing, it's not like he's going to go restore well, his value. Well, there's one, there's one very significant point that we're leaving out, which is that as the season goes along, more and more teams can get involved in making trades. Right, right now, yeah. there's very few logical trades on the board, just in general across the league, because so many guys change teams in the summer and teams are locked into contracts that they can't trade until December or January. Right. Everybody so, likes their team. Right now, anyway, they're not. Yeah, and you're not, and you don't want to blow up a team early on. Right. There's a lot of factors like that that when you get to December, January, February, that will change. So, again, to me, this just comes down to will Daryl Morey hold his nerve? Well, and there's another thing that he is. There's another thing that Morey and the Sixers have going for them in terms of being able to be patient. And that's that the Eagles appear to be an absolute tire fire. (laughs) And so, like the local, the local media is going to have its hands full. Uh, their attention won't fully f- shift 
to uh, <laughs> to the seven. I'm just telling you, it's a I, fair, I it's a true you. point. It's a true point. <laughs> it's know. a true point. Well, and Ben Simmons needs the Eagles to win some games, right? He's because he, he he's a big Jalen Hurts fan. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, and let's let's just say that let's just say that the Sixers don't have Ben Simmons until let's say they don't do a trade till January. Okay, like to me, if Joel Embiid is relatively healthy, as long as he doesn't have a serious injury, they're going to win sixty percent of the games ish that he plays in, if not more than that. So if he's healthy, they're going to be a solid team. A good team, like they have good players. They have mm-hmm. they got a pretty deep roster. Especially see how Tyrese Maxi does. makes a jump. Yeah, that's right. So they have, to me, they have the ability to be a solid middle of the East team as constructed right now. Like I, they're not the tenth best team in the East. They're somewhere no. in the middle of the playoff picture. So if they're that team, I think they're fine to chill and wait. I don't, I don't think there's going to be any clamoring for. Um, we got to trade Ben Simmons now because we're a step behind Brooklyn today. I don't think anybody's looking at it that way. No. You know, everybody in Philly is going to be praying that the Blazers go five and 20 and Dame Lillard wants out. All right. Well, unfortunately to be continued. Um, so McMahon, you were at uh, Mavericks media day. Um, Jason Kidd is um, saying some stuff Yeah. Uh, as, as coach. Can you, can you run? brought us through some of the stuff that's been going on there well uh two main things kind of his his emphasis to luca is interesting and he compared him to a young picasso and said then said i don't know if anybody ever told picasso that he should use all of his paints but uh basically that luca needs to learn to rely on his teammates more that his teammates can help him so he's kind of saying hey luca man you're awesome but dude, you're too much of a ball hog. We got to take you got to you got to share. And part of it, you know, he's he's talking about we need him fresh in the games, but also he's just like saying, you know, we you need to share more. And then the other thing, the other heavy emphasis, and this is obviously directly related, is the unicorn, the return of the unicorn. Boy, you know, KP just put in the corner by Rick Carlisle. Damn, Rick, that really wasn't fair. This kid, he, he's just got so much more talent than that. He's not just a three-point shooter who can crash from the corner on occasion. Man, there, there's no bad shot for Porzingis. We want him posting up. We want him taking mid-ranges. Uh, I mean, he did shoot 40% from mid-range the last two years. You know, I don't want to lean too hard in the analytics, but that tells me that's a pretty bad shot. But, the, you know, <laughs> those, those are the two kind of the two emphasis and again it's hand in hand and so you know it's it's talk and and i i, I understand what he's doing I, I with the porzinga stuff i want to see kind of how this all looks because i i wonder if there's not just some um good old-fashioned smoke being blown up his arse well i was going to say real <laughs> quick man to go back to what we were just talking about what did doc rivers do all last season right? yes Right. I mean, with I Ben wonder, Simmons, he yeah. talked him up all season. This felt this felt from the beginning like a very similar move by Jason Kidd right off the bat to try to boost some confidence in a guy who had a rough year and is trying to get back to where the Mavs. Yeah, b- boost some confidence. And look, we all know that the Mavs kind of you know we can play semantics. They at least sniffed around to see if Porzingis would have value in the trade market, and then the answer at the time was no. Um, we know Porzingis was not happy all last year and did his best to be a good soldier, but just wasn't wasn't happy. You know, some of that's he wasn't happy with his role. Some of that is he wasn't happy because he did feel like, uh, Luca, you know, I'm open. Like, do you want to not dribble 
till there's two seconds left on the clock every <laughs> possession like what are you doing um and so you know i there's that was something that happened with lebron early in his career i mean obviously mm-hmm. not every possession but lebron was a real dribble the you know the, the game was played so differently i mean i was yeah. just re- i was just reviewing carmelo and lebron's rookie year because you know their teammates finally i'm like there were games in carmelo's rookie year where the 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 Nuggets scored 60 points, 6-0, not even like 68, 60 points. I was right. watching the I was watching the mouse at the Powell stock the other day, and game game six of the conference finals that year, I think was 65 to 56 or 59 oh or something God. completely insane between the Pacers and Pistons. I, yeah. I was watching, I was like, this is a halftime score today. It's unbelievable. Right. So it was a different game, but you know, LeBron would just sometimes dribble 19 seconds out, and then he would throw like a heat-seeking missile yeah. into the corner. And the, yes, there was a guy open who got the ball. And LeBron was like, shoot it. And it's like, yeah, well, the ball arrived with two seconds on the shot clock. You know? Yeah, they're grenades. They're grenades. Yeah, like exactly. the, the pin has been pulled and you've got no choice right. but to. Yeah. Right. And so guys can, you know, you can get assists that way, but it's not necessarily great. Pass. But again, to me also, though, it's like I do have a hard time. Like, okay, Lucas ball hogging is the reason. Like, dude, the. This dude just averaged 35 and 10 efficiently in a playoff series. He's the only reason you went to seven games against the Clippers. So uh, this whole, like, he needs to trust his teammates. Well, you you added a couple of three and D role players. Like, who, who's like who's the playmakers that's going to take pressure off of him? Uh, you know, is, is Dragic getting a buyout in Toronto? I don't see that coming. Not anytime soon. Uh, you know, Brunson is had a good regular season last year. Then he struggled in the playoffs. Maybe he can take another step, but still, like the Mavericks wanted to add playmaking in the offseason, they didn't. So, like, if you want Luca to trust his teammates, you've got to make roster upgrades uh, along with that. Now, trust in Porzingis, we're going to see again full healthy offseason. Blah blah blah. We've been through all that. Uh, the other thing is Porzingis is a power forward again, which is interesting. Yes, um, Dwight Powell. Was it named yeah, was he named starting center? Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question about that, big man. So I saw your tweet. I think it was either yesterday or today that Dwight Powell is going to start at center, and Chris Porzingis is going to be a power forward. My question is, how do you think the Mavs are going to end games? Because to me, that matters a lot more than how they're going to start games. And and I don't know that I, I I don't know I don't know that there will be a consistent closing five. Um, you know, I don't know because, you know, you could easily see him uh, putting Reggie Bullock out there, um, sure. bumping Finney Smith to the four, Porzingis to the five, and then and that being your closing group. You know, you could even see Kleber out there, and, you know, he's more of a four than a five. Yeah. Um, you know, Powell offensively is purely a five. You know, the other thing is, like, you hear, okay, Porzingis is the power four, and I asked kid this yesterday, like, what does that look like defensively? Because Porzingis ain't chasing guys. He ain't chasing these you know, modern fours out on the perimeter. Yeah, you're absolutely crazy if you think that's happening. So I still think he's going to be really the five defensively. And you know, Mavs fans don't like this. Um, MFF, MFFLs? Watch your mouth. <laughs> um, this is a family podcast. Um, <laughs> but... I looked it up today. So last year, get this, it was 120 minutes. So we're talking small sample size. Porzingis, Powell, the defense rating with those two guys on the floor last year was 132. That seems bad. 132 points per 100 possessions. But 
they were both coming off surgeries, you know, like they're, I mean, Powell didn't look right until late in the year. Porzingis, you know, I don't know if he ever looked fully back, but obviously he was dragging around. Uh, the year before that, this that's the way they started games the year before that until Powell unfortunately uh, ruptured his Achilles, and it was a, it was very effective. Uh, you know, like a plus twelve net rating, one hundred five and change defensive rating, one seventeen and change offensive. Like it was very effective. The thing about it though is, if you remember, Porzingis didn't really take off offensively that year until Powell went down, and he could play the five. He could be the guy yep. who was in the pick and roll. Uh, when he when he was the four and because you know pal if pal spotted up on the wing no one's worried about that you're clogging the the spacing up he's going to shoot 22 percent from three and teams going to say please let him take a bunch of those he and it, but he can be a very good you know screen hard roll lob threat but if that's the case what's porzingis doing he's spotting up for three and then you know he's mad early if not mad he's 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 not happy. So I'm, I'm very curious to see, uh, I really want to see exactly how this all works. But again, if the, if the idea is, Hey, let's get Porzingis a bunch of uh, mid range looks, man, yuckatory to, to use a technical <laughs> term. <laughs> well, we'll see how that goes in Dallas. Uh, so Porzingis is a power forward again. Guess who's a center Bontemps. Uh Oh, about time. Apparently- Apparently, Anthony Davis. Um, or who, is he? Or is he? It, so I was he watching. I was watching the Lakers media day, which they they very kindly did on Tuesday. Can I um, read you a my, quote from Anthony Davis, Brian, on this topic from media day? Yes. Yes. Go ahead. So I, I got this from our pal Dave McMenamin uh, to make sure we had it right. So Anthony Davis got asked, "Are you going to play more center this year?" Here's what he said: There was expectations, and that was discussed, and I expect to play center. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Me and Frank, Frank Vogel, me and Frank talked about it a couple of times, and that's the plan right now. Nothing is set in stone. Uh But we want to see what that looks like, and I'm comfortable with that. Mm. Obviously, there will be times where Dwight or DJ, DeAndre Jordan, might be the starting center, depending on games. But (laughs) But for the most part, I think the plan is to go with me playing center. I would say that was an all over the place statement about are you going to play more center? <laughs> some yes, some no, and some maybe. Yeah. But um, here, uh, obviously, the problem is if he doesn't, they're going to be chipping the paint off the rim because the, the spacing <laughs> is gross. Well, and this, like, this to have, be clear, this to me is another question. Like Chris Porzingis in Dallas, I'm much more interested in what they look like in the fourth quarter of a close game against a good team than right. at the start of the game you know, during the regular season, especially like that, that would be the more interesting part to me because, you know, that's where the games will be won and lost. Well, the concept of Anthony Davis playing center and LeBron playing power forward with two shooters and Westbrook, uh, that is a very intriguing lineup. You can play fast. You can play slow. You can throw the ball into the post and let LeBron operate. You can space the floor. Uh, you can run pick and roll with, um, with Russ and, and AD, I mean, there's a lot of things to like about it, but that requires LeBron and AD to defend those guys at the other end of the court. And they don't like doing it. And so, you know, you know I, I know these guys are hesitant, but like this ain't 1996. Like who, like who in the West are you worried about having to bang with on the block? Really? Who? Jokic I, and who else? 
I, you know, I just think one of the things I've learned, McMahon, is, you know, when you go back when we were allowed to be in the locker room and you could like really be up with guys after games, the big men, their arms always have cuts on them. You know, they're they're always bruised. They're, they're look, always look, way more tired. Like Russell Westbrook's I, arms looks like he just he just, you know, had a big old hug with Freddy Krueger. I mean, I hear what you're saying. Right. I but I just I, well. I, 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 I just think that the whole idea of oh wow can he handle the pounding like again I just don't think I mean Aiton maybe but it's not most of these teams like dude if you want to dump the ball down uh, on the block to uh, what Stephen Adams or what Gobert or like please right like, well I, not the the post up it's know. just you know as Rick Carlisle once said the post up's a bad play. And that's why right. Porzingis is so glad Carlisle's gone. <laughs> I remember Lucas uh, glad for other reasons. Circa circa 2006 or something like that. Mike D'Antoni being asked about post ups and him talking about points per possession. Yeah. And being you know post ups being less than one point per possession, and it was the first time I'd ever heard it. I was like, what's he talking about? Yeah, it was a it was um, a like a this revolutionary con or people thought yeah. it was crazy. Honestly, let's let's be yeah. straight up. Um, but I will say that the, the Lakers over the last two years, Frank really had that AD as center in, in the emergency glass. And mm -hmm. granted, last year there was injuries, but they just didn't go to it much. And of course, you're not going to go to start the game. That's what AD is talking about when he says Dwight. By the way, you see how Dwight messes up their incredible numerology? The Lakers yeah, they're roster, all single digits. The Lakers roster goes zero, which is Westbrook. Zero, one, two, three, four, five, six. That's LeBron. Seven can't have an eight because Mr. Bryant is in the Raptors. Mm -hmm. And then it's nine, 10, 11, 12. And then there's somebody else, and Dwight is 36. Well, you couldn't be 13 anyway either. That's Chamberlain? Yep. Um, all right. Well, anyway, it's incredible numerology for the Lakers. I'm sure there's. No, he's 39 anyway. 39. Oh, he's 39. 39. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, three plus anyway. nine is 12, you know. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hit, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it. You won't find the satellite dish, but you will find your MLB games are on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com and sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Okay, there you go. Um, hey, maybe maybe this is the year Dwight finally becomes that three point shooter that he's been working. You know that, that we've seen yeah. in uh, in why don't you in go summer do a, film and 
why don't you go do a story on Dwight's revolutionizing his game? I'm sure that's never been done before. <laughs> I'm sure the bosses will be happy to buy out. Listen, hey, I will in for you know, to Dwight's credit, last summer and this summer, uh, you know, there was not the hey, Dwight has matured. Uh, like well, he's he's at least snapped that. I think it was like eight or nine straight postseasons. <laughs> or uh, off seasons that we had the Dwight is mature. Dwight has realized, you know, his, his role. Like uh, he's fi- finally like, Hey, he, he's, he's, he really did get it. Uh, this is just in time, this is, just in this time is to avoid story, the big three. This is a story you should write. You should go to various training camps and talk about guys who haven't changed. I want to write a story about Dwight Howard is still immature. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Dwight Howard still guy... farts a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about it. He just doesn't demand post-ups not... anymore. Yeah, I want to talk about a guy who gained 10 pounds of fat instead of 10 pounds of muscle. That's the story I'm looking for. Well, we had that last year with Luke, I can assure you. <laughs> can, I, can I make a nice segue with that yes. comment, Brian? Uh, so LeBron James was asked about his new superstar teammate, Russell Westbrook. This is part of what he had to say. As far as Russ, we need Russ to be Russ. We don't need Russ to change for anybody. That's why we got him. And it's our job to help him feel comfortable in our system. And he's going to be as dynamic as he's always been. I look forward to that. Now, my question for the group. How is LeBron going to feel about Russ being Russ when Russ, like he always has, grabs a rebound with 90 seconds to go, dribbles down the court, and takes an 18-footer with 18 seconds on the shot clock and doesn't give LeBron the ball? Probably How is about he going like to feel his about childhood that? friend who, who <laughs> insisted that they give up Chris Paul and a whole slew of, of draft picks. Probably about the same way that that guy felt about it. The, the question with Russ Will he be the first guy to play for five teams on a five-year uh, <laughs> max deal? Well, I, this this is now look. This could work well, especially if they do play D at center. Like there is a world where this works well. But the Westbrook Lebron relationship on the court is going to be very fascinating to watch because well, as we sure know, there won't, I'm sure there won't be much attention on it though. No, no attention at <laughs> totally all. Totally under the radar. And as as we all know, Lebron is used to having the ball in his hands all the time. And mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook and has had some having, success with it. That's right. And Russell Westbrook always has the ball in his hands all the time when he's on the court. So that if Russell Westbrook doesn't have the ball in his hands, you're wasting. We're wasting. That's right. right. And we saw because the he, last goes from, time, he goes from being really dynamic to a spacing killer. That's right. Yeah. And we saw in Houston in particular, right? The last team that had really high ambitions with him when he was playing with his childhood friend, James Harden, as you know, better than anybody, big man, their, their season changed midway through when they basically scrapped their entire plan, traded Clint Capella, and said, we have to build a team around Russell Westbrook, not James Harden, because otherwise it's going to be a disaster. And I will say this, Russ's numbers pre-COVID, when they went small, he he lit it up. I mean, he was yes. having like 32-8-8, eight and eight, shooting like 54% from the floor. I mean, he played the best basketball he's played since his MVP year during that, what was it, a two-and-a-half-month stretch. Now, it didn't end well. Um, again, that it, it, there was so much going on there, and the fact that he got COVID and just the whole thing got weird. I, I, he got COVID, then he got hurt in a bubble. Um, so we, I, I think people overreact and say like the the obviously the strategy long term was a disaster, but in terms of that season strategy, I think people chalk sm- the small ball experiment up as a failure. When I just think. You know, they had some unfortunate circumstances. Hey, you never know what could have happened if things had gone differently. But it, again, right. it, but, but to that, your point, like playing big with Russell Westbrook with a with a you know modern center at power forward too, and basically 
uh, you know, LeBron over there, and then maybe one shoot like that ain't it, dude. Also, listen, well, DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre between... Jordan is one of the best cheerleaders in the NBA. Like, let DeAndre play to his strengths, sit on the bench, and do funny dances. That's what he's good at now. <laughs> he's been on DeAndre for like three years now. It's been amazing to hear. Um, and he's been right. The, <laughs> I've had, the I've thing had decent is, points. The thing is, in the past, when AD has said, oh, I might play center, and then hasn't, it hasn't been really that much of an issue because the Lakers had a lot of other redeeming qualities. They have other redeeming qualities now, too. But if you don't play small, you cut Westbrook off at the knee. And it's not even, like you said, small. It's not even even small. It's versatile. You're playing with with a shooting fight. Yeah. It's a lot like trying Anthony to build Davis around Ben Simmons. Is, Anthony Davis. Go back to our, is, the beginning of our discussion. Yeah, Anthony Davis is a, you know, he's as big as the vast majority of starting centers in the NBA. LeBron James probably outweighs maybe every starting power. Who, like, oh, well, not Zion, but, and who knows what Zion's <laughs> going to weigh coming back <laughs> off this foot surgery, by the way. <laughs> that's, another, that's a whole other subject. Um, but there, it's not a small lineup. You know, especially if Ariza, maybe I don't know if Ariza will be a three or not, but my point is like 6'11 and, you know, muscular, a, a six foot nine tight end. And then, you know, but you got to have space in the other spots. You got to like, have that's, space. Yeah, that's not small, yeah, but like you spacing. said, it is versatile. Yeah. Versatile and spacing. They're not starting PJ Tucker at the five. That's true. Yeah. So uh, again, I, I'm not going to, as I've said before, I'm going to, hopefully you guys will keep me accountable. I'm really not going to react to the Lakers for a while. I mean, it's not to say that if they don't have a five game losing streak, I won't be like, Hmm, let's look yeah. under the hey, hood. A little that, 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 that's what Bon Timpson and, uh, and I are known for is holding you accountable <laughs> and overreacting. We're going to provoke your ass. We're going to, Oh, we, we're going to get you yelling and screaming and, Wait, what did he call you last year, Bond? Oh, no, you called him a jackass. <laughs> We're going to be jackassing it up on a regular basis on this pod. Well, we do. I just, I'm trying, I'm trying uh, to make, you know, everybody makes their big pronouncements in the preseason, you know, um, like, you know, I'm going to play center, stuff like that. Um, I am going to not judge the Lakers. Well, look, we've seen the past two years. Time. We've seen the past two years, like not to be flippant. I mean, I've certainly been critical of Russ over the past couple of years for how things have gone. But as the years have gone on, he's played better in the second half of these years as he's gotten comfortable where he's at. And frankly, as these teams have adjusted to him and sort of tailor made their games to him. And that's what to me, what's interesting about this is that you've got LeBron James, arguably the greatest player of all time, and still is one of the best players in the league and is used to having the ball in his hands all the time. And to make this work with Russ, if he's really going to, say we don't need Russ to change for anybody well if Russ isn't changing then LeBron's got to change pretty significantly for that to work that's what happened dynamic what happened when LeBron teamed up with Dwayne Wade it took a while you can argue a whole year what but especially like when what were they when LeBron bumped uh Spolster and Dallas nine and eight yes you know what happened when he when he goes back to Cleveland it took a while with Kyrie 19 Uh, and 20 Right, that was so a, it, that was a fun night in Phoenix. Yeah, so it like uh, nineteen and twenty. They it won't good. be surprising if they're hovering around five hundred, uh, you know, a month or two into the season, given LeBron's history of Justin. Yes, to another but, but it goes guy both ways. Yeah, if both they, of them. you know they've got they've got a favorable 
early season schedule, as is normal. The the Lakers don't leave Southern California very much for the first month. Um, every team plays the same amount of games, the same amount of days, same road games, same. Well, all their schedule is always heavily weighted towards TV, which means their schedule is always heavily weighted towards being tough the second half of the year. Right, and they also have to clear out of Staples Center for some mid-year events, so they tend to play a lot of home games early in their schedule. So this goes both ways. If they start, you know, six and five, let's hold our horses. If they start eleven and one, let's hold our horses. Let's just see how it goes and, you know, wait and see whether, how things unfold. I, you know, it's the concept of LeBron playing with Mello. That is going to be an interesting dynamic, how Mello fits in. I mean, they're going to be a super interesting team to watch on a lot of fronts. I'm really excited to watch them play. There's a lot of stuff to watch from a basketball standpoint. Will Rondo like be regular season Rondo or will he be playoff Rondo or will he be, I'm not going to play at all for games on end Rondo, because I think that could happen. Mm-hmm. By know, the way, like, I have a question. I have a question about Rondo that actually our boy McTen asked me yesterday. Do we think he's going to be a hall of fame player? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Cause they had that one photo where, you know, they had that photo at media day where they had six guys out there and they were like, Oh, there's six hall of famers. You know, it was LeBron, AD, Russ, Dwight, Rondo, Mello, Carmelo. Yeah. Say what you want. He was a major part of two championship teams. He racked up a bunch of accolades during his Celtics tenure. Uh, I his think resume was better than I remembered, and Dave ran through it. I mean, he made he made a couple All NBA teams. He made four All Star teams. He obviously was part of that, like you said, that 08 team. Um, you know, he made four All Defensive teams. It was it was a better, it was a stronger resume from that standpoint. I, than I, I, expected, I, than I, I think winning that title with the Lakers kind of bumped him over the edge and he was a significant part of that um i i i bet you that rick carlisle will make his induction (laughs) (laughs) he'll be his uh presenter um and ray allen both (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) (laughs) um you know here's the thing um it's very hard to judge the hall of fame because the uh entry situation is so cloaked in secrecy it's completely opaque uh no one talks about it uh, there's certain guys in the Hall of Fame who, you know, Rondo absolutely has a better resume than, and there's certain guys out of the Hall of Fame who Rondo doesn't have their resume. So, um, it's all it's, true. You know, so so when it comes, like, you know, we have a general idea of like, you know, the the baseball writers who completely own the process and the major baseball. There's a general right. idea of how they vote. Um, you can kind of project which guys might make it and which not. It's just such a weird process, and there's there's different ways to get in and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm certainly not going to say that he's not. It was just an interest. I had I it was his resume was a lot stronger because you forget because it's been such a long time. But that run, that five year run at the beginning with the Celtics was awfully strong. Bontemps, can I ask you something? Have you ever used the word opaque in a sentence? (laughs) Yes, of course. Really? Wow, I don't think I ever have. Have you ever used the word opacity? I don't even know what that means. You had a when when you guys had the machine on. I feel like you were trying to up the intellectual level when you, when he was replacing me. I mean, it, uh, it, not it just ups, not just with was, him. Like I feel like you guys are trying to because Wendy, you had like two words on there like bifurcated. I'm like, what the hell does this have with thick glasses? Like, what are we talking about thick old eyeglasses for? Uh, I was going to say the intellect level. Up. The intellect level with you and the machine very very similar. 
Very simple. Yeah, I, I had to look up bifurcated, <laughs> and there was another one that I had to look up, and clearly I forgot. Oh, man. Oh, well, we love you, McCann. You're not going anywhere. We had, we had a former colleague <laughs> who, every time I read one of his stories, I'd have to have uh, yourdictionary.com up on another window. <laughs> you know exactly who I'm talking about. You know who owns dictionary.com? Who's that? Dan Gilbert. Okay. Oh. See, I paid part of LeBron's salary then. <laughs> there you go. Thank you for listening to Hoop Like the Podcast. McMahon and Bontemps, we got another season. Here we go again. Yeehaw. Here we go, boys. Very excited. It's going to be a great two, season. Very two excited. Pods a, two pods a week going forward. Thanks for to Bontemps and McMahon. Thank you, Jackson, our producer. Everybody have a good week. And we'll talk to you next week. Adios, amigos. Hey, you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets for your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Just check the app to see the deals near you. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you a complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total up front so you know you're getting a great deal before you check out. And buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. They're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, even up to an hour before it starts. It's the place to find last-minute seats. Find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And with zone deals, you pick the section and Game Time picks the seats, all for big-time savings. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code HOOP for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code HOOP, H O O P, for 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.